0: Hello, and welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia, from Diochis to Yazdegerd III. I'm
1: Serial, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Umberto, and my pronouns are he, him. So hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 24, which is the episode on Seleucus II, also known as Seleucus Kalinaikus. I keep
0: Kalinicus. thinking you're saying St. Lucas. <laughs> no, there
1: are two different people. I know, are I know, 16 different people, presumably.
0: Uh, fair. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so last time we left off with chaos. Chaos.
0: Do, 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 you know, just to change it up a little. Just to be original.
1: Yeah, so we left off with chaos with Antiochus II, second, because well, if you remember last time, he became king almost by accident because his elder brother was executed for some reason. Yeah. Then he had a relatively uneventful reign, or rather, not well sourced reign, where uh, he did there was all right. A big Syrian nothing, war. Nothing too impressive, but yeah. Yeah, and then bits of the empire were sort of drifting away. It was meh. Mm-hmm. But the big deal is that at the end, he married a Ptolemaic princess called Berenike
0: and uh, had a yes. son with her
1: called Antiochus. The thing
0: is, it would have been a more or less uneventful like he, there, there's a lot of things he could do better right but like eh you know for like all the tumultuous yeah, things that had been happening he was doing fine and then he decided to just freaking go for the most outrageous decision you could go for and just ruin it for everybody
1: <laughs> exactly
0: He married a ptolemaic princess because that's not going to cause any trouble.
1: <laughs> yeah, so he marries Berenike and has a son with her, called Antiochus, of course. Problem is, he already had a wife. Supposedly a love match called Laudike.
0: And like, that in itself is not a problem. Because we've seen that before. You can have more than one wife in this culture. But he mm-hmm. also had sons who he probably had brought up with the idea of like, you will succeed me. And now, not so clear. But also... Like, it would have been as easy as saying, and then if people didn't, you know, respect it, that's on them afterwards. But it would have been as easy as saying, okay, this son of this lineage is going to be
1: the successor, right? Like, whichever. Yes, that would have made things a lot easier. But he decided no. <laughs> Guess what? Yeah, so he has two sons from Laodice. The first one is called Seleucus II, which is our protagonist. And the second one is called Antiochus Hierax which will become important in the future. Sounds like it. So Antiochus died mysteriously without naming an heir while he was in Ephesus with Laodice and that side of the family. Suspicious. And so everything has been thrown into chaos because on the one side we have Laodice and her children. Mm-hmm. On the other side we have Berenice and her son Antiochus. Right. But also Berenice's brother, King Ptolemy III. So everything is set up for... Destruction, chaos, and having a hard time figuring out who should actually be king anyway. So there we go. That Truly is the lovely. recap of Antiochus 2.
0: Every tension you could put in there was put in there. We're missing <laughs> like a war. Yes.
1: Well, <laughs> you'll but have yeah, your wish soon yeah, I'm sure it won't enough.
0: be too hard to find, you know?
1: Also, before we start with Seleucus's episode, his epithet is Kalinicus, or Kalinicus, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Serial, can you divine anything from this name?
0: Uh, how is it written? Kalinikos? Give me the visual, I need to, you know.
1: Kalinikos. there we
0: go. Ooh, okay. So from my knowledge of Latin and Greek, which comes from Mm -hmm. Spanish being my first language, (laughs) (laughs) that's all of the knowledge (laughs) I have. Kalinikos. I have no idea. I'm trying to think okay. of any words I can compare it to. The Compared only to thing that comes to me is Deinonychus, which not not in this case. <laughs> That's a different Icus. I don't think it has anything to do with a terrible
1: claw. No, So <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting though. What does Kalonychus mean? Basically, Kalonychus comes from the word Kalos... From calligraphy and Nikos from oh. nike victory
0: why well, i figured that Nikos would be victorious but i didn't know yeah. what else okay
1: so it's he of the beautiful victory he of the good victory that's sort uh, of not of the written the victory means. as in calligraphy no unfortunately calligraphy no. Is calligraphy is script, just, yeah yeah so okay. it's beautiful script so there we go so that's what you can expect is this one going to be an ironic one we'll find out maybe well. maybe not
0: I want to see which victory they're talking about. Yes.
1: So let's begin with his birth. He is born in 265. He's the oldest son of Antiochus II and his first wife, Laodice. So that's nice. We don't know many other things about him before his reign, except the fact that, well, the succession was thrown into turmoil by his father's marriage to Berenice, Hmm. as we saw in the recap. So easy enough.
0: He is technically the first son of Antiochus and therefore the one who would have been elected to succeed him, I assume. Yeah, if you're if going we by straightforward yes. primogeniture,
1: then yes. In normal times, he would have been the automatic succession. But these aren't normal times. Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking about him in this episode, so, you know. Yeah, so he lasts long enough to warrant an episode. So... What happens is that, well, Antiochus II is dead. He arrived in Ephesus at the palace. Maybe Laodica killed him. Maybe he just accidentally had a heart attack. It could uh, happen. Yeah, usually Never your heart
0: know. attacks are accidental. You, you know, that's how you have them. <laughs> I usually.
1: mean, or it could have been an on purpose heart attack from Laodica. We don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> on purpose from his wife, not from him, you know. Yes, of course.
1: So now. There is an issue, because we need to understand who is the king and how do we sort this out. Well, according to some later authors, so it's unreliable, but it's fun. So the authors are Pliny and Valerius Maximus. Okay, so
0: the Romans.
1: Yes. So Laodice hired a man called Artemon in the palace, who looked a lot like the late King Antiochus, and decided to dress him up like the king, and Mm -hmm. then have a big scene at the palace where he was far enough away that people couldn't look at the detail, where the false Antiochus declared Seleucus as his successor and the new king. Okay. So with this uh, sort of stage play, we've managed to secure Seleucus's legitimacy against the other Antiochus.
0: So once Antiochus was already dead? or
1: Yes, once Antiochus was dead, okay. then Laodica just hired this other guy. Okay. So there we go.
0: And then faked his death as well, or what are we doing?
1: Presumably she just announced that Antigus was dead a few days later and oh, said, I oh, see. but remember the thing he said two days ago about my son being the heir? Yes, there we go.
0: What is it with the Persian, or like, rather, historians studying Persia and focusing on lookalikes and, you know, all of this eh. imposter
1: kind of business? I guess it just makes for a fun story. <laughs>
0: Because this is the second time it happens, Or third. Actually, I mean, I'm losing is, count. Yeah,
1: it's been a few times. <laughs> I mean, we also get imposters in Roman history in the future. There's oh, going to be fair. a whole set of fake Nero's, which is Oh, funny, yeah, but...
0: that's true. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So imposters are just fun. Why not have an imposter?
0: Why would you want to impersonate Nero of all people?
1: <laughs> we'll get into it in our episode. It's relevant to the people who are occupying Persia at the time. Oh, okay. So we'll see. But anyway, whatever happens, whether this scene happened or not, or it's just poetic flourish, Seleucus is declared king in Ephesus,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but Berenike, who is in Antioch, and the capital of the empire, declares like, her son of course, as like, the rightful what ruler. What the hell? We're not doing any of that. Excuse you. Yeah. So the advantage here that Seleucus has is that he is the most legitimate of all of Antiochus's children.
0: Plus he's a grown man capable of leading an army.
1: Yeah, he's the only grown man capable of leading an army, and his younger brother Antiochus Hyrax is still uh, early teens, and okay. the baby Antiochus is a baby, so <laughs> can't do much. Fair enough. But, Berenica's not backing down, neither is Seleucus, so it's time for a civil war. Hooray! Yay, it's been so long these. since we had a civil Fun. war. So, what happens? Berenica starts to gain control of Syria and Cilicia, which are the core of the empire, and where all the treasury is stored. Mm -hmm. So they have all the money. Excellent. Right. Important. Good resource to have. Also, Bernica sends a letter to her brother, the newly crowned pharaoh Ptolemy III. Ah, right. And says, hey, sail over here to support your nephew and we'll make sure it's in your interest.
0: Yeah, we'll make sure the empire stays in the family, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge.
1: Yeah, that works. Also, knowing the incest habits of the Ptolemies, they can probably figure something out to make the titles merge.
0: Literally, in the family. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Very much. So Ptolemy thinks this is a great idea, awesome. So he decides to start sailing off towards Syria. And it seems that actually he was so well prepared that maybe he was just planning a war anyway. <laughs> and I... this just happened to be a nice excuse, so... honestly. You know, could be.
0: We knew that this marriage of his sister with Antiochus was a bit of a, uh, let's call it a draw. Yeah. But we're both putting our cards for our empires to merge and one of us to be on the throne, right? So like, there's been tension. I'm sure he was happy
1: to move that. There's a reason this is the third Syrian war we have. (laughs) Syria. has as many kings.
0: Just terrible
1: luck. Yeah, not ideal. So Ptolemy heads over towards Syria with the ships, and Seleucus is marching to the east to try and take back the capital mm-hmm. and, you know... Establish and It's usually good for your legitimacy right, if right, you yeah. own the capital, so let's do that.
0: Also because that's where Berenike is
1: with little Antiochus, yeah, little Antiochus, so you know. So if you get rid of them, then that makes things a lot simpler. And we are told that at a certain point... While Ptolemy and Seleucus were on their way towards Syria, Berenica and the baby were assassinated. Oh,
0: okay, so even before yes. they got there or anything, just...
1: Yes, before anybody oh, managed c- to get there. Well, that's that. Yeah, and apparently, according to some sources, this is on Laudica's orders, but that's the usual blaming the woman about the terrible thing that happened, and it's unlikely that Seleucus wouldn't have known anything about this or wouldn't have approved the funds for he, the murder. also, if yeah, exactly it was indeed like like that come sort of on. thing.
0: If she had such loyal people in the capital, I feel like she would have done something before or like I don't I mean, it could be. I don't know. That gives her way more power I mean, than it is possible, you know. We thought so. If she could, that's what I would do too. If it's within your power to do so. It's a smart move,
1: it's just not politically correct. It's just nicer (laughs) to drop the blame on someone else. it's not politically correct to murder people, I see. I know, the PC police have come for everybody now. You can't even murder your nephew. (laughs) (sighs) Seriously. Or half-brother. However, the murderers in the city found that there were still a lot of loyalists for Berenica and baby Antiochus, so mm. to avoid getting murdered themselves, they decided to just have decoys, a decoy Ooh. princess and young king, I to see. ensure that everything remained stable until Seleucus arrived.
0: Oh, uh, interesting.
1: So second decoy of the episode.
0: Yep. Which probably easier, you know. And like, yeah. this also makes sense if like you said, you don't want to get murdered because the person you supported is gone. And so... Yeah, exactly. There will be some unrest, let's say.
1: Yeah, you don't want to be in a city that's just found out their king is dead and you did it. Yep. <laughs> not a good look. So at this point, Ptolemy and Seleucus race towards Antioch with none of them really knowing that... Or rather, not officially knowing that, uh, Berenice is dead. True, Right. But the first one to arrive is Ptolemy III.
0: Oh, heck. I was hoping Seleucus would be first. Alas, no.
1: Ptolemy lands with a small personal force in Antioch and captures the city, because Mm. it's held by a lot of Berenica loyalists. Right. And when he arrives there, he finds out, oh, wait, my sister and nephew are dead. What now?
0: (laughs) Wait, he captures the city, but it's because it's taken by Laodice's loyalist.
1: No, Berenica's Berenica's loyalist. Berenica's loyalist. Which... Yeah, because basically, even though the queen is dead, her loyalists still hold the city, which is why. But why would Ptolemy everything. have to take it? He's on the same side. I mean, he doesn't really take it as in conquer it, he just marches in, really. Okay, but open doors? Yeah, basically, the people of Antioch say, hey, this is the uncle of the king, let's let him in, and Ptolemy Oh, okay, enters. okay,
0: because my impression was that, like, he had to somehow fight his way in, and I was like, that makes no sense. No, no,
1: he <laughs> takes it as in he just... Becomes the guy in control by walking in. (laughs) Okay, okay. Relatively straightforward.
0: I'm the guy with the guns coming through. Yeah, basically.
1: (laughs) Guy with all the spears, please step away. Well, there he finds out. Yes, my sister is dead. My nephew is dead. Fun. How do we spin this? What's happening? Mm. So Ptolemy decides that he is going to also pretend that both are still alive.
0: Yep. Smart, smart move.
1: So he basically marches across Syria with his army and says, hey, listen, I'm in support of the baby king Antiochus. I'm his uncle. Please open your gates. And a lot of cities do open their gates because, well, why not? It's the guy with weapons and he is technically speaking for a king.
0: Yeah, for the king. The new king that you've heard is new and legitimate. So
1: yeah. At this point, Ptolemy gets a glint in his eye as he starts to look Mm -hmm. towards the east. Right. And he says, hmm... Babylon's nice this time of year.
0: (laughs) Oh, Babylon. It's been a while (laughs) since someone had to conquer you.
1: Yeah. So he decides to march east and invade Mesopotamia. As you do. And he apparently seems to conquer all of it. He manages to conquer Babylon, on the Tigris, all the way up to the border of Iran. Although there's a Babylonian chronicle that says that maybe the citadel of Babylon was still... Seleucid, but okay. the rest of the city fell to Ptolemy. Eh, not looking great. So, that's not ideal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Also, in an inscription commissioned by Ptolemy, which is the little place in Egypt, he claims to have conquered or subdued all the lands from Egypt to Bactria, in the far east of the Seleucid Empire. Did he, though? It's unlikely to be fully true, but he definitely took Babylon and Syria... Which are the core important areas of the Seleucid Empire. It would be very funny to me if he's
0: like, let's just exaggerate a little bit, you know.
1: It could be. Just to look good. But it's also possible that when he conquered Babylon, all the eastern satraps thought, oh, this is dangerous. Let's just send messages to Ptolemy saying, hey, we're on your side as long as you hold Babylon. And just officially been on his side, but practically not really. But anyway, after all these glorious conquests, Ptolemy is called back to Egypt because there seems to have been a rebellion that sprung up.
0: Oh, surprise. A rebellion in Egypt? Huh?
1: (laughs) Even when you're the ruler of Egypt, still Egypt. (laughs) So it looks like Ptolemy didn't really feel like permanently conquering all these areas he had taken from the Seleucids, Mm -hmm. because basically... From every city he's conquered, he basically takes all the movable wealth. Okay. And the elephants that were housed in Antioch. They had a special elephant farm for war elephants. Damn. So he steals all their elephants, steals all their gold, and just heads back to crush this rebellion in Egypt.
0: Hmm.
1: So he pillages and plunders. Yeah, he takes everything that's possible. But in the meantime, our boy Seleucus, who is the protagonist, has finally made preparations and managed to gather a large enough army with which he can move to take back the core of his empire and not just be the ruler of three villages in Anatolia. Mm -hmm. So what he does is he already has a sister married to the king of Cappadocia in Anatolia. He marries another one off to the king of Pontus, another one of these kingdoms in the north. Mm -hmm. And then Seleucus marries his own cousin Laodice to ensure security for the succession sooner or later
0: better than his father already yeah that's true
1: another thing he also does is set up his younger brother antiochus hyrax as Mm -hmm. the governor of anatolia while he's headed east okay so that part of the empire is under control good although since antiochus was still a teenager it's probable that mama laudike is the one who's effectively ruling that part of the kingdom
0: Okay, but, like, there's a problem, which is that Ptolemy has taken or
1: plundered most of the Empire by now. Yes, he's plundered the so, rich parts of the Empire, basically. So what are we doing? Well, now Seleucus is heading east to try and retake the plundered bits of the Empire, which uh-huh. are not going to be as great, but at least it'll be his. That's fair. Yeah, so we don't really have much information on the following years in a theme with the previous Syrian wars, but... Uh, yeah. What we do know is that Seleucus manages to capture many Syrian cities, not all of them. He manages to retake Mesopotamia and sort of get a handle on the eastern provinces. Okay. And he seems to have pushed south into Ptolemaic Syria, even apparently getting to the city of Damascus. Huh. Okay. So that's pretty nice. Working on it then. Yeah. And it seems that this worked out. You know, it could have worked out either because Ptolemy was far away in Egypt dealing with this rebellion. Mm Mm-hmm. Or maybe because Seleucus actually told everybody, no, seriously, Berenica is dead and her son is dead. I'm the only king here. This isn't a civil war anymore. It's just a foreign invasion. I see. And these cities sort of opened their gates to him. Did he know? Or is that just his narrative? I mean, he probably found out when he got back to Antioch. Right. Because he managed to take Antioch back. Oh Yeah, I was going to ask. I
0: was still doing that. I was
1: still getting the capital back. Yes. Did manage to get the capital back. Okay, good. We're back in the game, BB. Yeah. There's also a suggestion that maybe Ptolemy wasn't really trying too hard to keep these places, because the Ptolemy's strength is in the fleet, so Mm -hmm. he would have never been able to properly control Mesopotamia, because it's so far away, it's distant, they have a different culture, it's a whole mess.
0: Yeah, I mean, it didn't seem like he wanted to keep it anyway, just he wanted to rob them and then, you know, off somewhere else.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: Plus... Is he still going to fight for this empire? Or is he just like, oh, I took what I needed. Okay, bye now. I have to deal with my own
1: things. Well, in 241, we get a peace treaty between the two. Ah, okay. Because this is where Seleucus gets the Kalanaikos epithet. Oh, Because it's a glorious victory, a great victory. It's just from the peace treaty. It's just that he managed to basically claw the empire back from the brink of destruction. And it was like, okay, cool. We're at peace now. Please don't hurt us, Ptolemy. There we go. I guess he just
0: officially becomes
1: the king with no yeah, he's other finally opposition. Yeah, Clear it up. But the problem is that you could also see this as a pretty ironic nickname, is in like, yeah, nice victory. Because <laughs> Not according really. to the terms, Ptolemy takes a lot of different cities in Anatolia from the Seleucids, mm-hmm. a lot of the coastal cities on the area. And the most insulting thing he does is he manages to keep the city of Seleucia and Pieria. Mm which had the double importance of being the port of the capital of Antioch. So anything reaching Antioch by sea has to go through Ptolemy. And also, it is the burial site of both Seleucus I and Antiochus I. So their graves are now in the hands of Ptolemy, who can just look across from his city to the Seleucid capital and essentially keep a knife at their throat for as long as he needs. Mm. So that's not ideal.
0: Yeah... You think so, huh? Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, there we go. That is the end of the Third Syrian War. But, at last, Seleucus is at peace. He can settle down in Antioch, sort of organize his paperwork, and send some letters to his brother, try and say, Hey, how is the West doing? Anything weird happen while I was gone? At which point, he receives a letter back from the West. Oh boy. Where it says... Antiochus Hyrax is now king of Anatolia. Recognize me or perish. <laughs> also, he has so, so many Galatian mercenaries.
0: Hello, dear older brother. It's me, your little brother. <laughs> Guess what?
1: F- you. <laughs> also in the letter it says, P.S. Mom supports me.
0: <laughs> P.S. I'm her favorite. Get wrecked. <laughs> yeah, so sort of
1: like Parasatis with uh, Cyrus right. the Younger. Yeah. The mother is going for the younger son. Interesting. Also, it seems likely that Ptolemy had encouraged Antiochus Hyrax to declare independence Mm. with funds and some covert military support. Actually,
0: that is a great move. I love that. It's like, oh, just pitch the brothers against each other. That's fun.
1: Yeah, because, you know, he doesn't need to own everything. He just needs the Seleucids to be ineffectual and not a threat. Fair. Which is why Ptolemy III is probably the best Ptolemy because, because he knows. gets further than
0: anyone else. Yeah. He knows how also to do Also, he's growing things. the Library
1: of Alexandria, which is always nice to do.
0: Oh. Oh, fun, yeah.
1: Yeah. So what happens? So Seleucus now, receiving this letter, decides, okay, fine, I need to go crush my brother. Let's go west. So he gathers up an army, moves in towards the center of Anatolia, where the Galatians, who are allies of his brother, live. And there, there is a great battle near Ankara for the next year, where, unfortunately for us, Seleucus is crushingly defeated by his brother.
0: Well, I mean, unfortunately for us, until our next episode, it's, it's gonna be fine. Eh,
1: yeah, <laughs> unfortunately for this episode, I guess. Seleucus is crushed in this rebellion. So he flees back to Antioch and he is forced to make peace with his brother and says, Okay, fine, you can keep Anatolia. Sure, I lost a third of the empire, but... This is fine, okay, I guess. Okay, so
0: now we're splitting the empire, or what are we doing?
1: The empire is split. So Antiochus Hierax okay. has all of Anatolia, and uh, Seleucus II has basically Syria, Mesopotamia, and the eastern provinces. Huh. all right. So there we go. How
0: are we going to deal with this moving forward?
1: It's going to be complicated. Ah. Because, oh, also, just to mention it. Antiochus Hyrax doesn't decide to pursue the kingship further because there's a rebellion of the city of Pergamon. Okay. Remember the one that Antiochus I didn't want to conquer at the end of his life because he was tired? That yeah, one? he
0: was like, I don't care enough, you guys.
1: Yeah, apparently they've declared war on Antiochus Hyrax, so he had ah. to head back to the west and couldn't take the whole empire for himself. I see. But you were talking about how we deal with this situation and we deal with it poorly. Ah, Fun. Because Seleucus gets a letter from the east and it says, Hey Seleucus, there have been nomadic attacks from this Parni tribe for the past few years and the people are becoming independent enough that they don't care anymore about your rule so they've declared full independence.
0: Ah. (laughs) Love to hear it.
1: Yeah. So it looks like this might have already happened when Ptolemy took Babylon and basically cut off Seleucus from the eastern provinces. Mm. But basically what we have is that in Bactria, basically the northeasternmost section of the empire, the satrap has declared himself a king after defeating the nomads. So he's the king, he's the guy that can protect his people, so there mm. we go.
0: Yeah.
1: Also, I'll mention here that Bactria is really cool because oh. well, now they're leaving the empire. We'll be in contact with them for a while, but... They're really interesting because it seems that they had a cool mixture of Iranian and Hellenic populations, oh. with tight intermingling. As we have a Greek-speaking ruling class, but with a large portion of their army made up of the Iranian nobility. Okay, so this that's is always fun. basically as close as we've ever gotten to Alexander's dream of sort of merging the two cultures. But, oh yeah, yeah that's
0: true. Yeah, yeah. Look, Alex, it happened after all. Yeah, not
1: under you, but, you know. Not thanks to you at all, but, you know. (laughs) But this is not the only side that declares independence. We also have the governor of the satrapy of Parthia, which is basically the northern bit to the east of the Caspian Sea, Mm -hmm. just made his own independence. Problem is that a few years later, the Parni nomads absolutely destroy the satrap and make their Ah, own kingdom in his satrapy.
0: Well... It was nice while it lasted.
1: Yeah. And they found a new kingdom, the Kingdom of Parthia, under a king named Arsaces, who is the founder of the Arsacid dynasty, which is going to be very important later on. We'll hear about them for a long while. Yeah. okay. So there we go. So we have two bits of the empire have fallen off. And now it seems that the semi-independent rulers of Persia, whoever they were, are becoming more independent than semi. Mm. So there's enough Seleucid authority around that I'm still counting Seleucus as a ruler of Persia, but only just. But it's
0: iffy at this point. (laughs) Yeah. I I had to
1: have a long, hard think about it to see if he still counted. Well, so at this point, Seleucus decides, this is a problem, I need to deal with this, because yep. I've lost two-thirds of the empire now. I would like to retake some of it, please. <laughs> so he decides to launch an expedition against the Parthians, these nomads who have settled down in Parthia. But his army is defeated in the first battle he manages to fight with them. It could be for two reasons, either because his army was greatly reduced from all the fighting and the civil wars and all the messes mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Or it could be because maybe he was still hoping that the king of Bactria was going to help out as his supposed vassal somehow. Sure. But that didn't happen. Yeah. So in the end, we're not sure what happened in later battles. We know he lost the first one. Then further ancient authors give us conflicting claims. We're told on the one side that the party were stopped and they didn't expand any further. They remained in the Mm -hmm. region of Parthia. While others say that Seleucus was just defeated and had to run away. Oh, well. But yeah. The end result is that Parthia is now independent and Arsaces is now king. So there we go. At this point, Seleucus is feeling pretty sorry for himself because of (laughs) everything that's happened. (laughs) Yep. All of this mess makes us wonder how the empire was being ruled in this period. What was going on? (laughs) because it's lost Anatolia and the east, which is the richest provinces of the empire. And also the port of Antioch is under the control of the Ptolemies, which means that importing or exporting everything comes under huge taxes. Right. What's going on? And also Syria has been thoroughly pillaged by Ptolemy in the last war. So the few territories Seleucus still has are the pillaged ones. That's that's fine, I'm sure.
0: (laughs) <laughs> that's that's okay
1: yeah so everything is sort of on fire we also receive reports of violence erupting in babylon where there are like three different revolts in eight years
0: oh
1: we're we're not sure who was fighting but the babylonian tablets tell us that the royal guards were fighting with the army ah so clearly things are not going well <laughs> yes <Yeah, laughs> that's, that's not if a your good royal sign. guards are fighting your own army So Seleucus, on his way back from the east, arrives in 229 in Babylon itself. He enters the city, settles it somehow, Mm -hmm. and then he has to decide to appoint another Seleucid to govern Babylon while he tries to deal with all the mess everywhere. Right. Now, the problem is that there aren't many Seleucids left. Not many men, anyway. Because the only Seleucids are Antiochus Hyrax, which is an open rebellion, then there's Seleucus himself and his two sons. That's it. That's all the dynasty.
0: Oof. Oof.
1: That's dangerous territory. Yep. Looking not great. Yeah. So first of all, Serial, can you guess what the names of the sons of Seleucus are? <laughs> <laughs> Antiochus and Seleucus? Almost, actually. We don't have a Seleucus. Oh, Antiochus We actually have and... an Alexander.
0: Oh, Oh, look yeah. at that. Yes. It's going all the Where way. Alexander
1: back. is the eldest son, and Antiochus is the youngest. Some wishful thinking there. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, hoping that things <laughs> go going there, but you'll see. So, Seleucus appoints his younger son, Antiochus, who's like a teenager. He's like 14 or 16. He's very young. He appoints him to be the governor of Babylon while Seleucus deals with everything else. And apparently, Antiochus is doing a reasonably good job at governing okay. Babylon. And Alex? Alex is going with his dad in case of danger. So what happens? Returning to the narrative, we have that while Seleucus was in the East, he got news of Antiochus Hyrax. And apparently, this Antiochus was fighting the new king of Pergamon, this little city, and their various allies. And Antiochus was soundly defeated. He was defeated so badly that he lost all of his kingdom of Anatolia to Pergamon.
0: Oh, 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 wow. So that's not great. So I guess we're not having an Antiochus Cyrax episode.
1: (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, Because he managed to mess up everything he had as soon as possible.
0: I thought Seleucus was done for, but I guess not.
1: No, not yet. He's down, but not out. So, yeah, Antiochus, after losing his entire kingdom to a city-state... Yes, you do. (laughs) Which is very embarrassing takes the few soldiers he had left and decides, okay, you know what, fine, I don't really have a reason to stay in Anatolia, I might as well take Syria. (laughs) So he tries to go to Syria, he tries to attack Antioch, but the city's too strong, so Antiochus decides, you know what, let's aim for Babylon, maybe we can convince them they're not so loyal, since they've been rebelling a few times, let's go there.
0: (laughs) Maybe we can have them on our side.
1: Yeah, we'll see. So Seleucus hears of all this news when his newly prepared army for an eastern expedition was heading towards Bactria. Mm -hmm. And so he decides to wheel around to try and save Babylon and go back. Oh, damn. And defeat his brother.
0: Was Antiochus expecting his brother to turn around and face him? We don't know if he was
1: expecting it, but he was definitely very poorly prepared. because...
0: Because I imagine if he was... Hoping his brother would go away, because, like, aha, this is my chance. Yeah, that could have worked. That would have been terrible.
1: (laughs) It's like, oh, oh, no. Oh, no, he actually turned around. Uh Ah, help. Apparently that wasn't even necessary, because one of Seleucus's generals in the area just defeats Hyrax and Uh sends him running away. (laughs) Okay, well, that's that. Yeah, so Hyrax then flees all the way to Thrace, where apparently there's no one that hates him. (laughs) Yet. But there he's captured by a raiding party made up of Celts in the region. Oh, well. No. And these Celts send letters around to his relatives and local kings asking for a ransom for right. Hyrax. Th- nobody answer. Nobody answers. Oh
0: no, I knew it. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh god, nobody cares.
1: Yeah, nobody cared enough to pay money to get Hyrax back, so... That's
0: terrible! Yeah. <laughs> I thought Hyrax would be such a cool character, but never mind.
1: No, I mean, he's interesting, but not yeah, but very Paul, talented.
0: <laughs> now I'm sad. Wait, wait.
1: Yeah, so what do you think happens to him now?
0: Why did Laudike put her trust in him? I uh... I don't know. Well, I mean, why did Parasatis
1: get... trust Cyrus the Younger? Frankly, they're both uh, incompetent. Yeah, that's
0: true. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't her after all. I feel like the problem when you've been kidnapped so that people can ask for a ransom and nobody <laughs> is willing to pay for such ransom is that the kidnappers tend to not need you anymore and hence you die.
1: Soap. That is exactly the yep. thoughts of his kidnappers. <laughs> the kidnappers kill Hyrex when they find out, well, he's worthless. We don't want an extra mouth to feed, and he's clearly not a great general, so there we go.
0: We kidnapped the wrong guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, we should have kidnapped Seleucus wrong brother. someone else. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Except,
1: you know, Seleucus might have been harder to kidnap. Yeah, he had an army, and, you know, he's lost most of his empire, but he's at least trying. Yeah. So now, the situation in which Seleucus is in is that he has two directions he can go in. He can either go to the east, try retake Bactria and Parthia. Right. And consolidate the local rulers of Persia and all that. Or he can try and attack west and try and take back Anatolia from the former city-state of Pergamon. Hmm. So what would you have done? What do you think is the best course of action?
0: What is the most pressing matter? What are the consequences if we take one versus the
1: other? Well, Anatolia is closest to Antioch, which is problematic. That's a plus, or I mean a minus, but like a plus. Sure. That's why we should go there. The eastern provinces are sort of close to Babylon. They could get to it, potentially. And Babylon is basically the richest area of the empire from which a lot of the cash comes from. Yeah. So that could Whatever be dangerous. Whatever Ptolemy didn't take. Yeah. But also it seems like he already has a peace treaty with these kingdoms, at least with okay. the Parthians. So what direction would you prefer? Hmm. I guess
0: the first option seems to be the most make the most sense if Babylon is not in immediate danger.
1: Yeah, Yeah, basically that's Seleucus's thought process as well. He decides I'm going to take Anatolia and resecure the center of my empire so it's not attacked on all sides. Yeah, and also there's the advantage that Pergamon was until a few years ago a city-state, so they might not yet have full control of Anatolia. Like, it'll take time to expand all their government infrastructure, so they probably have a relatively light hold on that part of the empire. Okay. So, off we go. Seleucus begins planning for a large invasion to capture these lost lands. He gathers a big army in Antioch, prepares all the troops together, Confirms the appointment of his son Antiochus to the governorship Uh of Babylon while he's away. Right. He brings his son Alexander with him to, you know, Ah. both learn from the campaign and also be the heir in case anything terrible happens.
0: True.
1: And so Seleucus heads off to the west. Okay. He starts marching with his whole army. Okay. Puts on his armor, gets up on his horse. Please don't tell me he dies right now. So Seleucus is heading west, but... It seems like there's some problem with the road. Okay. Oh, God. Because we're not sure if it was, like, some sort of pothole or some loose rock on the what, ground literally? anywhere.
0: I thought you were going to be like, oh, there's some problem with the road. Nah, never mind. It's bandits.
1: But. <laughs> no, it's actually the physical road. Oh, okay. And what happens is that eventually it seems that Seleucus's horse stumbles. Okay. Oh Seleucus loses his balance, oh falls God. off his horse, oh breaks God. his neck, and dies. Oh my
0: God, Seleucus, What the <laughs> f- <laughs> another? Didn't we have a death a death like this before? It was a really silly fell off a horse, fell onto my sword kind of.
1: Cambyses accidentally yes. stabbed himself with the sword and died. Well, of you know, quotation so, yeah.
0: marks, accidentally yeah. stabbed himself. You know, Darius
1: was him. around. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs>
0: Oh my god!
1: But yeah, so poor Salukis right
0: just—he
1: <laughs> tried so hard, the poor no. man.
0: <laughs> I was finally rooting for him. Like I was finally convinced he was gonna be so. Go- I just—I knew it uh... when you were like, "Ah, yes." Yeah, so we're getting ready to do this thing. I'm like, "Oh no, oh no,
1: <laughs> we're not gonna get there, are we?" yeah so poor salukas he tried so hard he was just running back and forth to try and secure an empire that was constantly in flames and then he just died God. at the end falling off his horse Imagine no glorious death the for shock
0: him. of like suddenly just like oh no he's not moving guys guys he's not moving help, help. Yeah, like,
1: oh oh crap oh no oh dear. <laughs> somebody call alex somebody call alex tell him the trash fire is his now
0: yeah, quickly. Yeah, so actually, what ha- I mean, I know this is for next episode, but like his sons are there with him, right? So like, what? what One happens? of his sons is
1: there, but yeah, uh, yeah. Essentially, without spoiling too much, by default, since Alex is there with his army, yeah, you know, with the royal army, he is there with the king. He just sort of succeeds by default.
0: Yeah, okay, that's what I.
1: And yeah, we'll figured. see you next episode if Antiochus <laughs> makes trouble for him. But oh god. For now, we'll see what
0: happens. Oh dear God, Seleucus, Lucas, what the hell? Uh poor Seleucus. Lucas. That's You're terrible. terrible raid. <laughs> oh, I feel uh, so bad.
1: Oh. My poor guy. And it's not like he did a bad job. I think no. it was just like the circumstances were just terrible. Honestly, <laughs> he just had I, a, the worst deck of cards. I
0: kept being like, okay, this is terrible. Okay, yeah, no, he's not gonna. Oh, oh did he he did make it. Okay, well, I I guess that's as much as. Oh, oh wait, that that also worked. <laughs> And then by the time I'm actually, like, rooting for him properly, he just broke his neck (laughs) on a road accident. What?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, things happen. At least he wasn't struck by lightning. Oh. Who was struck by lightning? Probus, I think? Yeah, I think it was roughly in the same geographical area, but (laughs) it was Probus in the Crisis of the Third Century. Listen to Totalus Rankium, if you haven't for some reason.
0: Having a figure like that struck by lightning is just... that's hilarious.
1: (laughs) Anyway, uh... (laughs) But yeah, so... Are you ready to rate this poor poor man, Serial? I guess! (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, please, it'll also refresh my memory so I can draw him later.
1: Very well. So, our first category is Final Moments. How interesting was his death? Breaking uh, his neck, falling uh, off hilarious. a horse I mean, while <laughs> well, trying the to put things together.
0: I'm
1: sure he wouldn't oh. have find the humor in it, but, you know.
0: Oh, God, just so badly. It was not even <laughs> that badly timed, because, like, eh. It could have been worse. Uh,
1: yeah. Just could've
0: unexpected.
1: Yeah. I'm sure Hyrax is kicking himself in the afterlife, saying, oh, "Ah, yeah. if only I'd lived like two more years, well, I could have actually know. claimed the empire properly." If you hadn't yeah.
0: gotten yourself kidnapped, yeah.
1: But yeah, I think I'm, I'm impressed mostly because of how funny this death is. It's, just, it's <laughs> just so dumb. Yes. <laughs> it's,
0: just, it's so silly.
1: It I love it. The road was just a bit messy in this one point, and the horse tripped, and yep, that's it. Lights out.
0: Yeah, you don't even have to fall from that high up. If you fall wrong... D- yeah, yep. you're just screwed. Well, uh, yeah. I would say...
1: <laughs> I
0: don't know, man. I'd say like a five <laughs> or a six. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> it it's is not quite, funny. Um... I don't want... Listen, don't come for me, karma. It's I like, listen. I know it's not funny, but it's also just like unexpected and strange and just unfortunate. Yeah. Let's say it's unfortunate.
1: I'm also between a five and a six. Let me see. Who did I give a five to? Who did I give a six to? I give a five to Cambyses and a six yeah. to Darius the Third.
0: Which okay, I, I guess. think I'll go for a five, same as Cambyses, same energy. Yeah. Actually, Cambyses is like it could have been an assassination because Darius was around mm-hmm.
1: there. Could be. No evidence of it, but might be. Um, I'm going for a five for final moments. You know what? Yeah. Let's go. You yeah. two? scene. Okay, with a five and a five, you get a five out of ten for final moments. Next category is battle hardness. How good was he at war and conquest and mostly defending his crumbly empire? Well... Yeah, let's recap what he managed to do. So first of all, on the downside, he lost the center of his em- he lost all of his empire at one point. Whoops. <laughs> because he lost know, the center of the empire to Ptolemy. Things that happen which is not great. But on the plus side, he managed to retake most of that area from Ptolemy, which was nice, I guess. It doesn't seem yeah. like Ptolemy was trying super hard to keep it, but, you know. Well, so he so wasn't, like, back, he lost it because
0: he was getting that like, he wasn't there to protect it. Yeah, you exactly. Know. So
1: it's not too much demerit. So. It
0: was a civil yeah. war. It wasn't like Ptolemy started attacking him, like, in the middle of, you know. Yeah, sure.
1: There's that start of the reign, then he tried to fight Hyrax in Anatolia, but lost and had to recognize the independence of Anatolia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then he found that he lost bits of the east, so he went to try and fight the Parthians, but lost again. Oh, whoops. Lots of losses I'm seeing. Yeah. I don't know. Then one of his generals defeated Hyrax, which I guess is good. But that's a general, not him, but sure. I mean, it was under his command. Yes, yeah, well, it counts. It, <laughs> you know, we gave points to Artaxerxes Fourth for that's fair. things his general did.
0: Okay, that's fair. You should know how to appoint the right people to be generals. Yeah, I think so. that's good.
1: You don't want them to rebel midway. <laughs> That'd be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Seleucus just died before he could attempt another campaign, so... A lot more negatives than positives. Yeah. (laughs) It's not great. I think it mostly depends how much demerit you want to give him for the losses and how much merit you want to give him for not permanently losing everything to Ptolemy. Because also, based on the humiliating terms of the peace, probably didn't, you know, have a crushing victory that sent Ptolemy running and begging for peace. It was more Seleucus saying, please, I'm so tired of everything. Just give me something.
0: Please don't hit me.
1: Yeah, I'm somewhere between a 1 and a 2, honestly.
0: Do you think he did that badly? I mean, he lost a bunch. (laughs)
1: That is fair. He he just kept losing. No shade on him. It was a difficult situation, but still.
0: This might not be why you're remembered.
1: That's just how it is. Uh, Honestly, I'm going for a 1 because I gave Antiochus the second a 2, and I don't think this compares.
0: Yeah, let's go i I'm giving just a token 1 because
1: it could have been worse, but not by much. I
0: agree. It can only be worse. That doesn't mean it went nicely.
1: Yeah. All right, so Lucas, so you get, with a 1 and a 1, a 2 out of 20 for battle hardness, which matches Philip Arridaeus. Ah. And derives the third. Ah. Not great examples to follow in. Well. <laughs> but there we go. Next category is scheminess. How good was he at plots and manipulation? Was he? There is one event here that I can point towards. The one event is the fake Antiochus II proclaiming him heir. But that was his mom. That was his mom, but, you know, maybe he helped. Presumably he was in on the plan. Depends how much credit you want to give for either side. And also following up on that is the murder of Berenike and uh, Uh, baby Antiochus. Which, again, some historians attribute to his mom, but they always attribute it to the woman in question, if it's a sort of sneaky murder. I don't think it would be right to deny all credit to him for this, or yeah, demerit I think you're for right. the murder of a woman and her son. That's fair. So yeah, I think it deserves some points. I don't know if um, somewhere between a two and a three. I what go are your for a two. Thoughts? Two? I wouldn't go for more. I do not have enough of a excuse. Considering the mother effect, I guess we could just give him a two. Or well, I can mm. give him a two, and you can give. So with a two and a two, that is a four out of twenty for scheminess. Next category is shock factor. How shocking was this man? Eh. Meh. Uh, eh. Married his cousin, but frankly, this is exogamy for a royal family, honestly. At this point, do we even care? Look at the Ptolemies, this is just the most onion bread you could be.
0: <laughs> You're right. <laughs> So. That's not a shock factor. That we've seen this before. Like, of course, to yeah. modern eyes, but like... It,
1: yeah, it's, it's like, just eh. a thing. It's fine. Well, a couple of things which could be in Aaron Shine, but let's see if we want to put them. He mm-hmm. lost the tomb of Seleucus first and Antiochus first. He let Ptolemy Ouch. take it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's bad. But that's not shocking, Oof. that's just bad.
1: Yeah. And then, yeah, the second thing I was going to say, which is... Probably more just bad than shocking is he lost two thirds of the empire yeah <laughs>
0: also his and, death very interesting and yeah just the whole I guess the whole like going back and forth with his brother and the legitimacy yeah, he went but I with don't his brother. I don't think that's that shocking that's
1: just royal politics I, yeah I don't know if to give a token point or if it's honestly. I'm going to go with a zero. I don't think... I mean, yeah. I mean the murder of the woman and child. And, I mean, but that's just politics, honestly. Who hasn't murdered people for politics?
0: <laughs> In this podcast? <laughs> well, not that many people, yet.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, honestly, I'm going for a zero. Are yeah, you same. matching?
0: No, okay. there was nothing particularly shocking about him that made me go, <gasps> gasp, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's what it should be.
1: Okay, so with a zero and a zero, he gets a zero out of 20 for shock factor. Next category is Aaron Shine. How good was he for the empire in general and Iran in particular? Not As we mentioned before, he lost all of the empire at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Literally all of it. (laughs) He lost all of it. He just managed to retake a third (laughs) by the skin of his teeth. He continuously lost against his rivals in Anatolia and in the East. Now, the East is partially taken by some nomads partially semi-independent, partially fully independent in Bactria. Mm. And the center part of the empire he still has has been sacked by Ptolemy multiple times. Also, again, he lost the port of Antioch. Yep. He lost the tombs of the founders. Yep. He has no money. There were several rebellions in Babylon. (laughs) (laughs) Fighting between the army and the royal guards. There are only two Seleucids left. His son Alexander and his son Antiochus. And after that, we're done. And and, then... On the bus side, he kept a bit of the Empire. The Empire still exists in some form, but...
0: It's not doing great, eh. huh?
1: It's worse than it was before. It's much worse than
0: it was before, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I can give him... Points at all?
1: I'm going through my mind, trying to find. We don't give a points single points. Oh to well, it him. could have
0: been worse. We give points for things that are actually positive. Even other things went went badly.
1: Yeah, I think a case that is similar is Artaxerxes the which also has the brother fight, where yep. he almost lost all the empire. Yeah, just barely didn't, <laughs> mostly through luck.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So. Uh... The pain, yeah, the pain in well, your voice. <laughs> I can't think of anything. I'm sorry, Seleucus. Nothing personal. I feel bad for you. You seem nice, you tried your best, but yeah, zero. So, a zero to zero gives a zero out of 20 for Aaron Shine for poor Seleucus. Kalanaikos, Seleucus, yeah, nice victory.
0: Mm. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, a little bit sarcastic, life. I guess.
1: Yeah, at least I'd read as sarcastic. <laughs> okay next category is face of faces what do you think this poor poor man looks like after everything that's happened to him
0: all right let me just give me a moment i guess
1: go for it okay so Serial has finished their drawing let me pick it up and i will describe it to you all lovely people okay (laughs) the preview
0: is (laughs) i told you it was very apocalyptic
1: Okay, I love this. Sorry. It's very good.
0: Okay, is it too much? <laughs> I don't know. Is it? I, prob- it I think it's much. the correct
1: amount. That's okay, the vibe buy- I buy- buy- got from the sources. <laughs> okay, so we have Seleucus here dressed in a nice robe, sort of like what Antiochus had last time. Mm-hmm. And he has a nice diadem, nice curly hair. But the most notable thing is that he basically has his hands to his face. He's holding his face... With a distraught look in his eyes, there's just, like, absolute horror. And all around him are flames everywhere, because <laughs> everything is on fire. Everything is gone. Oh my goodness, how is he ever going to fix this? Oh no, he fell off a horse now. <laughs> Whoops. So, thank you, Cyril, for You're this so welcome. brilliant drawing. That makes us remember how bad things are right now. <laughs> After the last God drawing, this is a, a tone shift. Okay. So in the meantime, let me show you what he actually looked like. Again, this is a coin. I think it's slightly on the younger side of his brain, but uh, I'll let you see it, Serial. Let's take a look. There you go. Oh, fun.
0: Yes, this is a different person. This is really cool. These are really good portraits. <laughs> they look like people. Which, like, I'm sure it's stylized in some way, but, like, it, you know, it has features that... Yeah, you
1: can distinguish two people.
0: Like, if you saw this person, you could be like, ah, yes, that's you. It looks like a real human, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's very fun. Yeah, it's a profile with a diadem. Hair, slightly less curly than the predecessors, but, you know. In the short, slightly wavy kind of style that is the fashion at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. A long nose curving slightly upwards and a bit of a... I don't want to say underbite because it's not really underbite, but just like a prominent upper lip and like thinner features. Younger as well. Yes, you're correct. Perhaps like a mid-20s, mid-30s kind of... Mid-20s probably kind of look. And yeah, just a... It's a good portrait. I like it.
1: Yeah, and also, I don't know if this is just, like, a feature of the coin, but it kind of looks like he has sideburns that go down to his jaw, which... Oh,
0: yeah. Well, I feel like it, it just looks like longer hair that, instead of going around his ear, is, like, in front of it.
1: I would love for it to be sideburns. I mean, that would be the closest we've been to a beard in a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, now I want to draw this particular person. Like, it's a very particular profile, and I'm like, I now I want to draw him. And not whatever, you know, i made up, but
1: like... <laughs> well, you can channel him for his children. I guess. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Antiochus II look a lot like Antiochus the first, so there we go. True. Okay, so what are you thinking for face-of-faces here?
0: I like it quite a lot. I like these portraits a lot. And they're also contemporary, which add extra points, of course.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I'm good. Gonna- Go what did I give Antiochus first and second? You gave Antiochus the first and a nine and the second a five. Yeah. I think I would go for another five.
1: Okay, another five? Sounds yeah, fair. Yeah.
0: Antiochus the first got a high number because it was the first one of these that we saw, and also we had the comparison of like young Antiochus and yeah, old Antiochus. Was that Antiochus. was very good. That was cool.
1: This is, this um, is a good portrait. I like it. Mm, just yeah. yeah, I think I'm also going to stick with a 5 because, you know, it's nothing overwhelmingly beautiful, but it's cool. I like it. Mm. It's, you know, a solid 5. So with a 5 and a 5, we get a 2.5 out of 5 for Face of Faces. Next category is lengthiness. How long do you think this man ruled his burning empire?
0: Uh He was probably, like, Late teens to early 20s when... Like, he was a young man when his father died, is what we agreed. Yeah, he was. So that's what I'm gonna call it. Uh, And then a whole bunch of fighting happened. Mm -hmm. His little brother also became a man, at least enough to, like, try and threaten him and, you know, do some shenanigans. Yeah. So I'll say maybe 15 years... Between 10 and 15? I feel like that's a bit much. I don't know. Okay.
1: Actually, it turns out that the Seleucid Empire combusts very slowly because Seleucus managed to rule for 21 years. Oh, wow. That's much more than I expected. Yeah. From 246 to 225.
0: So we, I guess we don't have that much information (laughs) because it didn't feel like that long.
1: It was mostly just running around with little information and... Just, ah.
0: Oh, war here. Oh, rebellion here. Oh, they <laughs> took the city. Oh, we're taking
1: it back. Ah. <laughs> yes, it was basically overstimulation galore. Okay, so 21 years divided by 10 gives us a 2.1 out of 5 points for lengthiness. Which leads us to the final score. Which is to say 15.6 points out of 100. Which leaves him two points above Artaxerxes the fourth, and about five points under Sogdianus. Okay. Which isn't the most successful reign. Well... I feel bad for him, because I think he had more potential, but it's just... Eh. It yeah. wasn't
0: terrible. Like I said, I was rooting for him at the beginning, but uh, just what the hell?
1: Nothing got done. Yeah. Everything got lost. I just yeah, there's strong Gallienus vibes in that he was fighting everywhere, but still lost two thirds of the empire. God knows what would have happened if he hadn't fought. If it was just Hierax in control, it might have just been worse.
0: Because Ptolemy didn't even try to keep anything. So like, would he just have attacked and then retreated and then be like, okay, bye? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Perhaps. Who knows? Because this wasn't a Ptolemaic threat. This was just one more thing.
1: Yeah, it was messing things yeah. up,
0: but not, you know. Ah,
1: oh, goodness. But that leads us to the final question, which is: Is everything on fire enough? Is he running around enough? Is he <laughs> surprising enough to be called a Shah and Shah, or is he just a Shah
0: I'm very sorry, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, there isn't man. much of an argument to call him a Shah and Shah. I'm sorry. There's few sources. Everything is going wrong. Yeah. Eh. So. Sorry, Seleucus, but you have to go off into the desert. You can meet your father and berate him repeatedly for not having fixed the succession before everything went in flames. Because it's mostly Antiochus II's fault that everything is gone now. It's
0: just bad if you do not leave something in place, as we have learned time and time again. Yeah, so
1: there we go. That is the end of today's episode. I hope you'll join us next time for... Do you know who's next, Ariel? Uh uh, 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 Alex? Well, the name I have here is Seleucus III. Let's see what happens oh, to make oh. that happen. Well, what happened to Alex? Oh, no! <laughs> we'll see.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Fine, I guess. Stay we'll tuned. <laughs> oh. Don't
1: turn the dials on your podcast device. We'll be back in a week. So. Yeah. So thank you for listening. We hope you had a good time. Please rate and review us on your app of choice if you can. We always appreciate it. And without further ado, we hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.